Slick V on the track. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. I gotta see my doctor. God is calling me. Scotty, baby. What's up, y'all? You are listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. We're excited to break down the weekend's football games, but first, a little housekeeping. Uh, I am from Atlanta, Georgia, currently living in Tampa, Florida. Daniel, you live in Atlanta. Man, how about our Braves? Uh, and the son of Atlanta himself, Dansby Swanson, ties the game. It's a beautiful night. Uh, just after everybody, including the commentators, wrote the Braves off, they will not go quietly into the night. So definitely excited around here. Exciting win. I'm sitting here Sunday night. We're recording in my Navy Road Ronald Acuna jersey, a Braves hat. I was pumped. We were uh, in the car watching it, and Addy said, what just happened? You made the car shake because we had – just gone up 3-1. What a game. <laughs> this is a college football. <laughs> so, let's, talk, uh, let's talk week six. You know, I mean, first impressions, we had two big games that ended up being defensive battles in Iowa, Michigan, and Auburn, Florida. Barrett Salee, he had a tweet over the weekend that said, <laughs> Auburn, Florida is basically Iowa, Michigan with better players and a better environment, which I thought was pretty accurate. Um, but what, what are your first thoughts on the weekend? Well, it was <clears throat> it was definitely fun to watch. Uh, I was glued to the, the TV all day. Um, I just had a lot, just like you, I'm sure, questions about this Florida-Auburn game. I was just ready to see it. I thought I knew what was going on, but I guess that's – what I can talk about now, what we learned this week. And uh, first thing I learned was about the Florida Gators. So if you're listening out there um, and you're wearing some, some cutoff jean shorts and you've got yourself a mullet, you know, listen up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wrote you guys off. <laughs> I wrote the Gators off early. Um, I thought they were going to get exposed. It was actually the other way around. Um, so what I learned, Florida is a contender. They were, they will be in it with the top teams on their schedule, which, you know, continues this week, obviously, with LSU. Um, this game, it showed me a few different things. Uh, Trask, Kyle Trask, he's just, I mean, he's a competent quarterback, which in the SEC will win you games. Their wide receiving core is elite. If it's not the best, I feel like that's a hot take to say they're the best. Alabama, I still believe, is the best as far as the wide receiver room goes. But you're talking about five guys that can easily be playing on Sundays in some capacity in Gainesville with Tony, uh, uh, Freddie Swain, Cleveland, Jefferson, Hammond. Like, they're all all great. Um, Mullen. I think he's a better coach than what I gave him credit for. He's always someone who's been a get more out of less and doesn't really recruit to the standard that most SEC coaches try to. Um, most SEC coaches put that emphasis, you know, that's their first emphasis, where his is more development and growth. And, you know, he can do more with a three-star, I guess, than somebody could do with a five-star. So, I, I didn't really put a lot of stock into it. And then I watched Emory Jones come in and firing bullets. Didn't look scared of the moment. 
and I just credit that to Dan Mullen having him prepared. Um, I've said all of these things, and that was all of the offense. <laughs> this was largely a defensive game, so I'll say that the defense is legit. Um, they're among the nation's elite. The um, you know they're commonly known as DBU. There's about four different, four to five different colleges right now that are trying to claim that. Several in the SEC, it appears, but Florida, they definitely have an argument, and uh, I would say that their defensive line is actually the strength of the defense, so if that's the case and they still have all that talent on the back end, then, I mean, goodness, they're going to be a handful for LSU and Georgia and, you know, anybody else they have left on the schedule. What do you think? Man, Florida showed up to play, for sure, and... I still walk away saying the same thing about Florida that I did about Auburn, which is I think that their defense is good enough to keep them in every game they're going to play this season. I, I still don't know the ceiling for the offense. They did just enough to win this game. But, I mean, well, first, I'll start with the, po- the positive. Obviously, huge moment. Gainesville was rocking. That crowd had a big part in the game. You know, the swamp. Um, skill players, I agree with you. Probably second best in the SEC behind Alabama. Um, defense, David Reese had himself a day. He had 13 tackles by himself. Their defense had two sacks, three QB hurries, and you know, great day by the defense. Hold that Auburn team to 13 points. But if you look at their drive chart, Florida's, you know, first drive, touchdown, had the big explosive play on that quick slant, you know, over the top, great play. Next three drives end in fumbles, then a touchdown, and then turnover on downs, field goal, punt, turnover on downs, halftime. And this is where you see the game kind of shift. Auburn's defense played an incredible second half. And the second half, here's Florida's here's Florida's drives in the second half. Punt, 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 fumble, touchdown, punt, punt. And so aside from a few, a few explosive plays, excuse me, Auburn's defense did what we thought they would, which is they're going to keep them in this ballgame. But, you know, and I'll talk about Auburn in a second, but my thoughts on Florida, they're way better than I thought they were. You know, we said last week they're an overrated team in the top 25. So, you know, as I've grown older, I've learned that, hey, it's okay to be wrong about teams because everybody's wrong about teams. So we were wrong about Florida. They're a lot better than I thought they were. I think that their ceiling is 11 and 1. I think their floor is 9 and 3, which would match last year's record. So I think this is a 10 and 2 team. I'm going to split it. I still don't know if their offense is good enough to beat Georgia or LSU this upcoming weekend. That's a rough stretch, but the defense is good enough to win every game on the schedule. And so I don't I just don't think Florida can go undefeated. I don't think you go into Death Valley or into Jacksonville with these new quarterbacks and win. Um, Well, of course, the other side of this game is going to be Auburn, which would be the first thing I learned this weekend, which is Auburn is who I thought they were. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, an elite defensive team, which they showed. We just talked about Florida's drives and how the offense was not doing a whole lot. But Auburn's offense – did quite the opposite of helping their defense out in this game. <laughs> Which was 
a flash in the pan, and he's had a few good plays. He's extremely athletic, but I'm like, I don't know if he can go on the road and win the big game and pass like they need him to. And he goes 11 for 27, 145, one touchdown, three interceptions. So <laughs> there's the story of the game. You know, Auburn only rushed for 124 yards. They've been rushing over 200 yards every single game. That's a big credit to Florida's defense. Like we said, 145 pass yards, four turnovers. And, I mean, I, I was going to can't win a game when you turn the ball four times, but both these teams turn the ball four times. So there had to be a winner in this game. Right. And I just walked away again. Like Florida showed up to play a lot better than I thought. I don't know how good they are. Again, four turnovers. Offense didn't look that great. But Auburn, man, that offense didn't even get off the bus. And I think – the Gus Malzahn play calling was an overrated storyline. The offense didn't look, you know, oh, wow. So glad Gus is calling plays. They just could not, They, you know, Florida was ready for the sweeps with Schwartz especially. I don't think any of those went off. I mean, their longest drives were seven, a seven-play drive that ended in a field goal, and their best drive of the day was that nine-play drive that ended with the interception of the end zone where if Knicks had put that ball on target, that's an easy touchdown. But because he overthrew him, easy interception in the end zone. Auburn's defense looked good. I mean, four sacks, seven tackles for loss. Again, forced four turnovers. So Auburn's defense is not the problem. Derek Brown's a freak athlete. He's going to be a first-round NFL talent. Easy. I mean, him running down the sideline was probably faster than half the running backs in college football. With that fumble, Turf Monster got him. But I'll walk over to Auburn saying they thought I thought they were. Defense will still be good enough to keep them in games, but if you're facing an offense that's a efficient and can score, or b does not turn the ball over, then Auburn has a lot to work on an offense, especially with games coming up against Georgia, LSU, and Alabama. So, yeah, you're right. We might be looking at the end of this year and saying, "Well, this is kind of what we expected from Auburn: eight and four, and you know, lose to the best teams on your schedule." Can't really move the ball. Uh, overall, a good team. Not great. Um, one thing that I just noticed was, you know, <clears throat> Marco Wilson, he had mentioned, I believe, at the end of the game, his Florida's defensive back, um, mentioned they kept saying if they, limit explos- if they limit the explosive plays from Auburn, then they know they're going to stop them and they're going to win this game. Um that spoke volumes to me because it kind of let into the the psyche of what they're thinking. Now, that can sound like coach speak or player speak all you want, but <clears throat> if you think about it, that makes me think of Auburn's, you know, the smoke and mirrors that we've kind of talked about where it's kind of a tricky, gimmicky offense. That kind of thing works when you're at home in the friendly confines, but when you're on the road, the things that travel, efficient running game, efficient quarterback – usually a upperclassman quarterback and then a, a good defense. Now their defense traveled with them, but like you said, you didn't think that the offense got off the bus. Um, <clears throat> I agree. I think that that was probably the, the main difference was that they couldn't regularly move the ball and, you know, they didn't have something to hang their hat on. You think about some other teams may have, Hey, you know, we can pass the ball when the going gets tough or we can run the ball when the going gets tough. I don't feel like Auburn is elite at either running or passing. So that that really hurt them. And they didn't really have an answer for Florida's punch in the mouth that they gave them. So, 
you know, the one touchdown they scored was on a short field after a fumble. They capitalized, but, you know, that's, you know, you've got to do that in the SEC. I agree with you, though. Auburn, the questions kind of uh, seeped up and kind of reared their ugly head in this game. I don't like what you said about, you know, like Marco Wilson said, limiting the explosive plays and what you said about their, they, they haven't been able to efficiently, you know, either run the ball or pass the ball. We've seen in the past the best Gus Malzahn offenses are the ones who run the ball super well. You look at 2013, you know, when they go to the national championship against Florida State, they had a former defensive back playing quarterback, but that offense was elite at running the football. And because of that, the passes made themselves available. And Mm -hmm. when Bo Nix is throwing the ball 27 times, that's probably not a great day for Auburn's offense. And that probably means the other defense has shut down the run. And other teams are going to watch this film against Auburn and say, oh, let's stop the run, limit the explosive plays, because we know they can't throw the ball. And when you go up against teams like Georgia's front seven, might have a field day with Auburn's offense. Now, they might be able to get, you know, some stuff against LSU. Their front seven isn't quite as good. Their defensive backs are elite, though, and so we'll see how well they'll be able to throw the ball. And then Alabama as well with their front seven. And so if they play like this, I mean, Auburn's going to go eight and four, like we said. And yeah. We'll be sitting there going, well, same old Auburn. So. Yeah. Well, I guess let's we can switch gears to the next thing I learned, which, well, I learned a question, if that makes any sense. What is the Pac-12? <laughs> um, what is I, the Pac-12? <laughs> I feel like I learned that I know less about the Pac-12 than I did before, which is impressive because, you know, Oregon – they were the flashy team. They're the one that had Auburn on the ropes in that first game. And then <clears throat> they've just been underwhelming. This game against Cal, very close game. Um, Oregon is supposed to be the elite team in that conference, and they haven't really shown that. Cal, they're a surprising spoiler, but that's really all they are after watching them play Arizona State last week and just kind of how they've played these games. They're They're good. They're not great. Um, Washington, they've been a huge disappointment. Um, and again, we're talking about them having an elite team, not about them having a good team. I think Washington is still right the ship when nine, 10 games, you know, it, it'll be, you know, they'll have to really turn it around, but, um, they're not in, they're going to be in the running for, you know, any college football playoff situation. USC, they're not there yet, but, I think that they definitely have the talent to be there, you know, potentially next year, continue to grow and learn and get better. Utah, they might be the best team in the conference. They're just not flashy and they're not going to get the the push for that playoff spot either. Arizona State, they're a wild card. Herm Edwards is doing a good job coaching down there, but they're kind of undermanned if you look talent wise. So I kind of gave you just some highlights just of the Pac-12 in general, but I don't see if I don't think that there's an elite team in this conference and I don't think that they have any college football playoff contenders. Obviously they're not technically out because Oregon's only got one loss. Utah's only got one loss. They could really right the ship when, when out look convincing just to this point, they have not looked, neither one has looked like something that's going to, you know, wow the committee into not putting either, um, the other four conferences in, or maybe two from the SEC, or maybe two from the Big Ten, depending upon how things shake out there. 
um, just because, you know, there might be a third team in the Big Ten now that we originally may have only thought there was two. So, you know, that may be Pac-12. I think you can almost chalk it up right now. They're out. I agree, man. I think the Pac-12, we walk away with a lot more questions. And I'm in the same boat as you, which I was going to ask you, is the Pac-12 out of the college football playoff? I say yes, because I look at the top 10 teams right now. And number one, I don't think anyone in the Pac-12 could beat those top 10 teams. And depending on where you place Oregon, you might could expand that to the top 15 teams in the country. And outside of that, you know, like you said, there's not an elite team in the Pac-12. So what are you going to have to hang your hat on even if Oregon runs the table? Because now we're saying, well, Oregon lost to an Auburn team who we're saying might go 8-4 and four after watching them play Florida on Saturday. And yes, and- it was game one. Those four, I was going to say, I'm sorry, those four teams that we're alleging will beat Auburn are all ranked ahead of Oregon right now. So it's like, it's very validating saying, hey, they they beat them. They're on the, you know, they're in the rankings ahead of them. So they have nothing to go off of, if that's the case. Yeah. And you can't compete for a playoff spot when you're saying, hey, I'm, I want to get in the playoff with LSU, Georgia, Alabama, but they all just beat the team that we lost to. <laughs> so, right, um, right. You know, you can't you can't do that. Washington, incredibly disappointing. After the Cal loss, we even talked about it last week. We were like, you know, that may be the anomaly of their season. They're looking great. Easton's been electric. And his stats were just bad on Saturday. 16-36, of 2-6, touchdown and interception. Now, he did have a ton of drops in that game, like an absurd amount of drops from his wide receivers. But it does not look, it look good nonetheless. Oregon just looked kind of bleh on Saturday right. against Cal because I just don't think Cal is that great. You know, their defense, their secondary is great. But, and here's the thing, like Justin Herbert, we're, we're talking about as this elite college quarterback. He's going to go second after two in the draft. But when when has there been a game where we look at Justin Herbert and we're like, wow, Herbert's going to get the ball next. We better watch out. Like, where it's like, oh my goodness, Herbert has... And well, I don't. I feel like I've never felt that way about Oregon. And I think you know the three best teams in the Pac-12 right now: Oregon, Utah, Arizona State. Now, let me ask you this: I like Arizona State a lot, and like you said, their talent level is not on the level of some teams. Like I don't think they had the talent that Utah, Washington, Oregon have. But I've been really impressed with Herm Edwards. I feel like everyone wrote him off before the season last year. And he's come in and brought a defensive mindset to that team. They've got who I think is the best freshman quarterback in the country in Jaden Daniels. And they're exciting to watch. Like If you had to decide right now who's winning the Pac-12 South at the end of the season. I'd have to look at the schedules, obviously. I didn't look at that. Um, I think, I mean, USC has definitely had some impressive games. Um, so, cause I'm guessing, I honestly don't know the splits, forgive me, but Utah and Oregon are both in the North. So Utah's in the South, Oregon's in the North. Oh, okay. Well then I think Utah wins the South. I think it's, I still think, you know, I think so too. I do think, you know, that game against Arizona State is going to be a big one. Like I think Arizona State could win the South and it would not surprise me at all. <laughs> I, you know, they can win the South at nine and three and it would be no surprise. 
and they could they could contend for a Pac-12 championship. So I like Arizona a lot. But like you said, I'll walk away with like you know, twelve hasn't packed the college football playoff since Washington went and got smacked by Alabama in the Georgia Dome. And you know, where do they go from here? Because it's not going to be this season. So well, let's go from the Pac-12 to the Big 12. You know, old Texas and the rest of them. <laughs> so, um, so the Big 12. What did we learn? Number one, I do think that Oklahoma is on their own tier in the Pac-12. I think they're a tier above Texas. Now, I say that. Big 12, you said Pac-12. I'm sorry. The Big 12. (laughs) That Texas could very well beat them this weekend. And I would still say Oklahoma is still on their own tier in the Pac-12. Goodness, the Big 12. And I say that because I watched Texas this weekend. And I know it's a perfect look-ahead spot. Like, I get it. But Texas could beat Oklahoma this weekend and lose a couple more games in the Big 12. And, you know, I think the Red River rivalry is one of these games where you kind of have to put it in a box because that game's crazy every year. No matter how good either team is, that game ends up being pretty close. And so that's why I say that I think Oklahoma is clearly the best team in the Big 12. And Texas could win this weekend. But let's talk about someone who could threaten Texas and Oklahoma from having a rematch in Jerry World at the end of the season. And that's Baylor. Baylor's someone that I've talked to you about even before the season. Yeah. I've talked about my love for Matt Rule and my Baylor Bears. They've got a sweet <laughs> new stadium, you know, chip in the games. They probably go to games. I don't know. <laughs> they renovated so, the stadium on an episode of Fixer Upper. So, you know. They put ship lap in the student section. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, Baylor, man. I some bears. And, you know, they're 5-0. and They're a huge win this weekend. They're scoring 38 points a game. Um, that team's clicking. And they, they're not making a lot of mistakes. And good football teams play mistake-free football. And that's one thing that Baylor's doing. And I think Baylor, here's the thing. This, the two of their last three games are against Texas and Oklahoma. And both of those teams have to go to Waco. And so the Big 12 is going to go through Waco. I mean, I look at their next few games. They have Texas Tech at home this weekend. And then they go to Stillwater. I think they could split those. I think they could lose to Oklahoma State. West Virginia. They should win. TCU, they should win. Their last game is Kansas. And then you've got two home games against Oklahoma and Texas. And let's say you split those. You're sitting at potentially 10-2. and two. And what if Texas is at 10-2? and two? Now you're looking at, well, you beat Texas. And Baylor's in the Big 12 championship. And so I love Baylor. I think they're a legitimate threat to Texas. Another team that I like a lot is Iowa State, which before the season – I was dumb and said they could go 10 and 2. That's clearly not going to happen this year. <laughs> but they very well could be 5 and 0. They could have won every game that they've lost so far. They lost by two points to Baylor, and they lost by, what was that, a point or two to Iowa. And so, I yeah. mean, and that, that game was just messy, messy, messy. They actually dominated the game against Iowa. And, you know, when you have a four hour weather delay and playing in the pouring down rain, that's no fun. Um, makes hard for an offense that loves to pass the ball with Brock Purdy. But Iowa State, they're going to beat somebody this year, whether it's 
Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. They're gonna they're gonna knock somebody off. And then of course Oklahoma State. Man, that was my first lock of the week this week. As well as Oklahoma. So I'm a little bitter with the Big Twelve right now. Lost two of my three picks because That's what you get, man. You're talking about the Big Twelve. Man, that's what I get. So <laughs> Oklahoma, I shouldn't have picked. That's a look ahead spot for the Red River rivalry. That was bad. And Oklahoma State just like I remember texting you because I didn't even look look at the game and it was twenty to nothing. Texas Tech. <laughs> and I'm like, what is the Big Twelve? But the Big Twelve is fun, if nothing else, because you know, I feel like you've got Oklahoma and then a bunch of teams that could beat each other on any Saturday, including Texas. So Yeah. The, the, the rest of the season should be fun with the Big 12. Any thoughts on the uh, on the Big 12? Well, first of all, thank you for reinforcing my early take that anything west of the Mississippi is the Pac-12, as you called it, <laughs> the Pac-12 multiple times. Um, <clears throat> I That's what you get for picking Big 12 games because even, you know, you picking Oklahoma, which seems like a sure thing to cover, is nothing's a sure thing in the Big 12. Um, Jalen Hurts still thinks he's playing in the SEC. He's confused. There's a bunch of confusion going on amongst these teams. I agree with you, though. I think Baylor is definitely a a threat, um, if nothing else, to spoil um, some chances for those top two teams. And I do still think that Texas stands above the rest of everybody. I think that Oklahoma is a tick above Texas. Texas is a tick above Baylor and Iowa State and those teams that you mentioned. So, um, but, you know, obviously we'll see it play out. I agree with you that Texas could technically win this weekend and Oklahoma still be the better team. That happens all the time. First of all, that's college football. Second of all, it's it's the Big 12, all right? So um, all these teams, you know, usually have a susceptible defense. All these are great offensive minds as – you know, offensive coordinators, different things like this. So, you know, it'll be a it'll be a fun fun ride the rest of the way, regardless. But um, love that we'll be breaking that game down later this week, the Red River rivalry. So, oh, for sure. Well, let's move on to the extra point rankings. This is something you and I have really enjoyed doing. I think it's going to give us a very clear picture of what the committee's going to do because it allows us to rank teams. And we're looking at metrics as well to look at, okay, like, yes, we saw this with our eyes, but, you know, who's beaten the best teams? Who's looked the best with game control? You know, whose defense have been the most efficient? Whose offense have been the most efficient? And so I've really enjoyed doing it this week. Uh, the top four is unchanged, minus Georgia did jump Alabama for number two. And so you've got Ohio State at one, Georgia at two, Alabama at three, LSU at four. And so I love talking about potential playoff matchups. You know, if the season were to end right now in our top four, you'd have Ohio State and LSU in the Fiesta Bowl and Georgia and Alabama in the Peach Bowl. The one thing that I didn't put in our notes for us that is just fun to talk about now, you and I have talked about that we are not fans of a playoff expansion because I think a 14 playoff is elite and it makes the regular season so important. And if you look back at the last 20 years, there's never been more than three teams who could say, you know, based off of what we did this season, we deserve to play for a national championship. And you could say that again this past year with three teams were undefeated. And so Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame 
all had the right to say, we deserve a chance to play for the championship. Of course, if there's never been four, there's never been eight teams that deserve to play for a championship. But that being said, how fun would these matchups be? Especially if the first round was at, you know, in college towns at, you know, home games for the top seeds. So we have Florida at eight. How fun would a game be between Ohio State and Florida and Columbus? And then at seven, you've got Clemson, Georgia hosting Clemson and Athens. At six, you've got Oklahoma, Alabama, Alabama hosting Oklahoma and Tuscaloosa with Jalen Hurts. How fun is that? Oh, and then man. LSU and Wisconsin, which is just fun because one, the last time they played, Wisconsin had a huge upset at Lambeau Field. And then you got to think, Wisconsin looks like LSU did the past decade. So yep. contrasting styles. How fun would those games be? It'd be a lot of fun. You got Florida and Ohio State throwback to the 2006 National Championship game. Um, Georgia Urban and Clemson. Meyer, Urban Meyer Bowl. Yeah. And um, you mean the Urban Liar Bowl. <laughs> um, but no, the Georgia and Clemson, that's just a natural geographical rivalry. Obviously historical there. Man, Bama and Oklahoma, obviously you already mentioned Jalen Hurts. That's just, that's a ton of fun. And it's almost as if, you know, we hadn't really dove into it just yet, but Alabama has not necessarily copied Oklahoma, but, you know, for so many years, Bama was this running team that focused on that running and playing defense. And then obviously with, with Tua coming in, and, you know, I guess even before that with Lane Kiffin being the offensive coordinator, they really changed their identity on offense um, to really be, you know, innovative and really, you know, they're always a couple steps ahead of the SEC, um, you know, whenever they're coming up with a scheme. So it's all in a, in a way, it's almost like they play a Big 12 brand of offense. Um, we'll see how you know, good their defenses down the stretch. Obviously, they've had some injuries. They've got the talent to do all their things. But, yeah, that's a great matchup. And, then yeah, LSU essentially playing their old self and seeing if they're better or not. That's a good litmus test for them um, against Wisconsin. So that's a lot of fun. Oh, for sure. And something you mentioned about Alabama, you know, changing their style of play. Uh, Chip Patterson of CBS Sports has said this, but Georgia is old Alabama. Like, if you look at the style of play, what Kirby Smart's built, what Georgia's had this pro-style offense for a long time, but now you've got the elite defense that you didn't have before. You know, Georgia's always had pretty good defenses, and a lot of talented players have come through there, but now you've got this elite defense that's putting up 57 yards a game on the ground. Just crazy. And then you've got, you know, Alabama, who has changed to this almost air raid style offense and so and Georgia's stuck with this hey we're going to run the ball we're going to we're going to have a really efficient quarterback who's not going to turn the ball over and so that's a fun comparison but as you look at the rankings I like them a lot I think the biggest surprise to not really to me but to other people is going to be Clemson down at seven I just man you and I've been talking I've been so frustrated with people either having Clemson at a number one or B in the top four at all because I don't know how you can watch these eight teams that we just listed or even I'm gonna go out on the limb and say nine teams are top nine which would include Penn State and say yep Clemson is better than the other eight because 
watching what they what they've done and who they've played, watching them play, I would have them at ninth, which is I know insane because they're coming off a national championship season. They haven't lost, but you cannot watch this year and tell me yes, Clemson is a the best team in the country or b even in the top four. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, my biggest thing is look. First of all, Kirk Herbstreit. I love you. Like, thank you for what you do. College game day, such a great production. It's it's part of every Saturday for me. I plan Best my day around. Guy in the game. He's he's so great, and he does his research. And if you listen to him just on a regular basis, I listen to his podcast. He's 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 very um, informed. He's not just intelligent. He's informed, but his his argument you mentioned it this week contradicts itself. He's got Ohio State number one. And, you know, some people are going to say, oh, he's a homer and everything because he went there. But I we haven't we have them number one. I think that's a completely valid argument. But he has the number one. And he says it's based off of what they've done this year, what they've done this year. And then he has Clemson, I believe, in, as three or four on his rankings. I can't remember three. exactly he, three. Yeah, he, he has my three. Yeah. And he says he says, well, they're championship caliber. We know what they can do. We know that they can turn it on. We've seen that last year. And to which I'm screaming into this void at him saying first of all great hair second of all what are you thinking you know (laughs) and i know his two sons go there and i'm not going to say it's nepotism or anything like that that would be a low blow i think he's a professional's professional he's entitled to his opinion um i think he's i think he he's he's trying to have a dichotomy of these two you know thoughts going back and forth i think Honestly, though, the problem that I have with him, uh, you know, with with his picks, not with him personally, with his picks (laughs) is something that we're going to see from the committee. We'll see when this comes out. But I think the committee is going to do the same thing that Herb Street did. What they're going to do is, hey, Ohio State is the best team out there and they've proved it on the field. Obviously, we're going to wait till November for these rankings to come out, but assuming that they went out and then they beat Wisconsin on their schedule ahead of them and they keep going like that, they're going to say Ohio State is one of the best teams. And then they're going to, in turn, say Clemson hasn't done anything to lose our respect from last year. They're undefeated. And some of these other teams might have losses by then, so it might be a little bit more justified. But, you know, largely, if you put Clemson in the playoff this year, I don't think they're going to be tested the rest of the year. You're going to be putting them in there based on them not losing any games and based on their reputation from last year. But I think that that is something that we might be hypocrites for um, because most fans do that without really analyzing it. And, I mean, you could say they've already done that for Bama in the past. So Bama definitely has that name credibility. Clemson has now earned that cachet with two out of the last three national championships. And, you know, championship winning coach, the whole coaching staff usually remains each year. And then an elite quarterback that's going to get all the headlines, even though his stats really haven't been there this year. I mean, he just has to have a few moments for people to show those highlights. And that's what they're going to do. So. Well, I was annoyed with (laughs) Kirk saying, man, like, Clemson proved they're a team of resilience when beating North Carolina by one and then saying, man, I don't know about Georgia after beating the number seven team in the country in prime time. (laughs) I was like, man, you can't say both arguments. So I'm like, you know, I can walk away with both and saying, hey, they showed they can win in a dogfight. So, (laughs) but 
I also watched both of those games and Clemson, you know, let's just say, for example, Clemson beat an unranked team on the road 21 to 20. And then Georgia this weekend beat an unranked team on the road 43 to 14. So which team am I going to think is better? I'm going to watch and say the team that just beat the unranked team on the road in front of 105,000, not 30,000, uh, is the better team. And so, yeah. that you know, that's like we said before, this is going to play itself out. You know, Georgia still has to play Auburn. LSU has to play Alabama and Auburn. Florida and Georgia got to play. You know, Wisconsin and Ohio State are going to play. Penn State is going to play Ohio State. Um, it's going to work itself out. Let's talk about who's overrated. Who do you think is the most overrated team in our rankings? Well, that leads me to, you know, a great transition yet again. I'm talking about Clemson. Um <laughs> Which we just talked about. Yeah. So (laughs) you had just mentioned that you would put them number nine. I agree with you after looking at these teams and kind of their pedigree of what they've done. All of these are unbeaten teams so far in our top nine. Um, And, you know, they're number seven right now. I think they're overrated. They had a bad bye week. Um, They (laughs) – that's a joke for you guys at home. Um, There's nothing impressive this year, you know. Um, unfortunately there's no test on their schedule, so they're not going to have that this season. And so it's largely going to be a question mark and they're going to be, you know, a question mark for us all the way to the playoff. They're probably going to make the playoff and it's going to be largely because their record and like I said, name recognition. So for sure. I think, I think that they're, yeah, overrated for sure. Yeah. I think my most overrated team is going to be. Michigan because they're still ranked in our rankings and you know they're they're four and one and they beat Iowa this weekend but I think Iowa and Michigan are relatively the same except Michigan just has a lot better talent <laughs> and so uh, I don't walk away being like wow like they were so much better I'm like wow they won a game <laughs> and so um we look at the at the Big Ten. I think tier number one is Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State, and then there is a giant gap, and there is a group of teams, including Michigan State, Michigan, Iowa, um, and some of these other teams. And so Michigan, I think, is still overrated, even though they're ranked twentieth in our rankings. And I love how Jim Harbaugh said, "I really think the offense finally started clicking and found their groove." I'm like. He scored one touchdown on Saturday, and it looked uh, what a that game was so sloppy. I mean, just like there, I love defensive battles, but that game was just defensiveness, you know, defensive battle with sloppy, sloppy, sloppy offenses, and so not not a very fun watch on Saturday. But I think Michigan's my most overrated team. What about your uh, most underrated team? Well, something tells me you're gonna like this. Um, I like Baylor. I think Baylor. They, they are number 14 in our rankings. Um, you know, underrated is more or less so I could just talk about them. They're kind of where they need to be. They might uptick. They're right there with Texas. You know, we might have Oregon, Auburn, these other teams, maybe a, a tick high. I don't know. You know, but um, I'm more, more or less saying, hey, they're an undefeated team that will be able to challenge both those top teams, like we mentioned earlier, um, they got Chip and Joanna Gaines on their side. 
they uh, <laughs> they could make it to the Big 12 championship. You've already kind of laid out their their path for them when you talked about their schedule. I mean, it's there. The, the writing's on the wall. They can definitely do it. Um, you know, it was, so, you know, 2014, I believe, when both Baylor and TCU were left off, or 2015, one of the two. And, you know, ever since that, you know, the whole Art Briles thing happened, like I mentioned last week, we've really been sleeping on Baylor. And, you know, for good reason to start with, because the Bears went into hibernation. Um, but now they're back and they're, you know, as mean and angry as they've ever been. So they've got a defense to kind of go with them. They'll keep them in a bunch of these Big 12 games. So I like their matchups. They're going to be a fun matchup for these top two teams. So this is exciting. Oh, yeah. And this is, you know, this is year, this is year three for Matt Rule. So I'll brag on him for one more second. He comes in, they go 1-11 year one. But we know he came into just a horrible situation. Like <laughs> that culture was just bad. Last year they go seven and six, and they've started off five and zero this year. And so, I mean, you're going to hit last year's win total in the next two games, in my opinion, when they start seven or zero. And so, love the Baylor pick. I want to go Penn State with my most underrated team. They're number nine in our rankings, and I think everyone's been talking about that top six or top eight teams that have kind of separated themselves and. Everybody's forgetting about Penn State. I think everybody said, like, you know, like, oh, like, you know, McSorley's gone. You know, Saquon's gone. What's James Franklin going to do? But James Franklin is an excellent recruiter. And if you're going to compete with Ohio State, you got to be able to recruit well because they recruit nationally. And Urban Meyer, that's one thing Urban Meyer brought to Ohio State that took them even to the next step after Tressel left was recruiting. And James Franklin's bought that to Penn, brought that to Penn State. And so I think the biggest question with Franklin has always been, like, can he coach, like, in-game? And he's I think he's learned a lot since he's been at Penn State. They're 5-0. and they, Listen to this. They have four players that have over 200 yards rushing so far for the season, including three running backs and their quarterback. And so, I it's mean, crazy. deep backfield, great offensive line. Sean Clifford's been an excellent quarterback. Their defense has been, um, you know, in the Big Ten having – three of the top five most efficient defenses with Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State. They've been elite. And, you know, linebacker U at Penn State, their linebackers have been incredible. Their secondaries played better than uh, better than they have since James Franklin's been there. And so I like Penn State a lot. You know, they, they're going to get Ohio State in that second-to-last game of the season. That game's in Columbus. But it would not surprise me if they go in there and win that game. Because if they win that game, they can lose one. And they've got a buffer, and they can win the uh, Big Ten East over there. So I, do, I don't think that's going to happen right now. I still think Ohio State's the best team in the country. But watch out for Penn State. Everybody's sleeping on them. So James Franklin likes that likes playing the underdog since his uh, days at Vanderbilt. So and we, and we and looking at Vanderbilt now, you see how impressive it was that he got them to win nine games. What was it three times? Yes, back to back to back. So getting Vanderbilt. To win nine games in a division that recruits as well as, you know, Georgia, Florida, even Tennessee, who still have better talent than they did. Um, South Carolina, I mean, honestly, everybody, they should be the bottom feeder every year. And so James Franklin's proving himself to be an excellent, excellent football coach. I agree. Damn. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Extra Point Podcast. We will be back on Thursday for a preview of Week 7. 
We've got some big games this weekend, including the Red River Red River rivalry. I was waiting we'll on it. <laughs> we'll be excited to talk about, but you can follow him on Twitter at Deep South Daniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes for the Extra Point Podcast. I am Jacob. He is Daniel. See ya. Bye. Yeah.